Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. I want to look at a scripture that is post-Easter that is actually what we term the Great Commissioning. And I want to unpack this, this concept of you are heaven's strategy. So let's look at Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20 says this, then the 11 disciples, because Judas was no longer with them, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, not maybe, not potentially, but surely I will always be with you to the very end of the age. Um, when, I, uh, when I lived on the Sunshine Coast, uh, it would be a regular for us to finish church and then to head up to, like, Condolilla Falls up to the hinterland up there. Um, and it is a refreshing experience because the water is very refreshing and uh, chilly because it's the mountains. And uh, I remember going up there as well with my family, and we had a family friends with us from out of town. And we went up, and uh, we were young, and we were climbing off, like, the secondary and the peripheral waterfalls. And it's tourists everywhere because it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's a rainforest walk. And what we did is we found ourselves at the top of this little tiny waterfall, and the, it was just like a, a trickle, a stream. And we went up top just to see what was going on, and our family friend decided that he would like to sit on the waterfall. And it was so small that it actually stopped the flow of the waterfall. Now, this is funny because the tourists down below watching the waterfall thought that this was some weird Australian phenomenon because they are looking up at this waterfall, seeing it stop and then re-go and then start again and then re-go. Meanwhile, there's some 14-year-old punk kids sitting up the top of the waterfall just sitting in it and here they are down there with their cameras super excited looking for koalas at this incredible stopping waterfall. And... It's the, the idea of this, this stream, this ongoing flow, is what Jesus is leaning into at the end of his life is there has been so much infill into what he has delivered. He has delivered a word. He has delivered the Holy Spirit. He has started. He is the first domino to start the new kingdom being established on earth. There is so much flow coming in behind him, and he's saying, this is how you continue it, and I don't want you to sit on it. I don't want you to sit and just stop the flow. I don't want you to, see what I did there? I brought it back. <laughs> I don't want you to sit in it and stop the flow. I actually want it to continue. I want the life that I poured into you not to end with you, but to be a thoroughfare through your life. And he gives this commissioning. Go and make disciples. Let the life that flows in you 
continue through you. I want to introduce you to someone this morning, and uh, their name is Annie Flint. They were not here um, because they were born in 1866, and uh, that means that they won't be present here this morning, and slacker. Uh, But Annie Flint is an individual who, born in 1866, you may know her, Annie Johnson Flint, and she became quite the poet, quite the, the psalmist almost of her age, and known for her disposition of happiness and of joy. Um, her and her sister were actually orphaned at a young age when her mother passed away in childbirth of her younger sister, and her father closely passed away from a, an illness. And so his, he willed them to the Flint family. And the Flint family was a strong Baptist family, a strong, um, strong family of faith, and they brought them up in the way of God and s- instilled something in them. And they went, went to school. She went to school to be a teacher. And as she was going to school, she developed arthritis. And not like a small amount of arthritis, like chronic, chronic arthritis, It got to the point in her life where she could no longer physically walk. She had to be wheeled around. Her fingers were so contorted that it was difficult to, you had to pry her fingers apart to put a pen in there, and even then there was chronic pain. Her, not only her parents died, but then her foster parents later passed away as well. And so in steps this woman, her and her sister out on her own, early 20s, suffering from chronic arthritis, and what does she do? She has every reason to complain, every reason to give in, every reason to say this is too hard, but in her hands they pry a pen and she writes this, he giveth more grace grace when the burdens grow greater, he sendeth more strength when the labors increase, to added afflictions he addeth his mercy, to multiply trials, he's multiplied peace. When he hath exhorted his store, our store of endurance, when our strength hath failed, ere the day is half done. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's forgiving has only begun. Fear not that thy shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on his arm everlasting, availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, load will he upbear. His love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men. For unto his rich, if infinite riches in Jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth again. This is a woman who has experienced the inflow of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ in her life. And she had every reason, every excuse, every plausible uh, blockade to this, yet she refused to sit on it. And she had to let the life of God not end in her, but it had to flow through her. This is heaven's strategy. This is heaven's strategy. You are heaven's strategy. Our lives are not meant to be the end point for God's life, but the thoroughfare. 
And in the Old Testament, we see that this has been started. We see in Abraham, Genesis 12, we see God's commission to Abraham saying, I'm going to bless you, not so you can all be nice, not so you can just be have it all, but so you can be a blessing to every nation around you. And we see that he prophesies the seed being Jesus, and through the seed of Jesus Christ, every nation will be blessed. It has always been God's intention, not just to bless an individual, not just to bless a family, but through that family, through that individual, through that minority, through that remnant, blessing may flow around them. And it is, comes down to Jesus Christ himself. We, get, we turn the pages, we get to Matthew, we get before the Great Commissioning. And before him, there was only a handful of people, each generation that had been handed and entrusted this voice. It was maybe a prophet, a priest, a king, maybe a couple of other people, but in step Jesus, and he initiates something else. Instead of just having a, a flow-on effect into one waterfall, one stream that disseminates down into the pool of the world, instead Jesus enables something totally different. Holy Spirit comes, Acts chapter 1, and Jesus says, well, go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come and you will become my witnesses. Go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We see that what Jesus initiates through Matthew 28 and through Acts and then Acts 1 and also in Acts 2 is instead of allowing one stream to fall out into the world, what he does is he's going to get every single person who's baptized in the Holy Spirit and instead of one stream, he's decentralizing heaven through his disciples. Jesus says... Disciples, discipling other disciples is his delivery system of heaven to earth. You are heaven's strategy. You are heaven's strategy. Now, if you've heard this word disciples before, you may be like, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. But what does that actually mean? Because I don't go around saying disciples of Cam. Um, we don't go around saying, yo, I went to work today and I commissioned my disciples. That's strange. It's weird. If you do that, stop. Uh, <laughs> they're team. They're employees. It's okay. But it, it's a language piece that was super understood, actually, to the New Testament, to the, to the people that it is written about. But when it comes to us, what does that actually mean to be a disciple? What does it actually mean to dis disciple other people? If we're understanding this great commission, this fact that Jesus' strategy now through the church is every single individual sitting in this auditorium, every individual sitting in every church in this nation is actually set on mission, is a conduit for the Holy Spirit. If we understand that, what does it mean to be a disciple? And what does it mean to disciple? So I want to identify a couple of characteristics of discipleship that we can understand and implement into our world so we cannot sit on the stream but allow God to flow through our lives. Are we here? Are we good? First thing I want to identify here is discipling is a part of our discipleship. Discipling is a part of our discipleship. And in Scripture, Jesus obviously calls a bunch of disciples. We see uh, one of my favorite is uh, Levi slash Matthew slash Levi slash Matthew, because it's the same person. And Jesus comes up to him, Luke chapter 5, it's recorded, and he steps up and he finds Levi. 
Levi is a tax collector. He is rejected. He is actually not just rejected by society. He is um, stealing from society, stealing from his brothers so he can get rich. And this is the person that Jesus chooses. And he says, come and follow me. Levi jumps out of the tax collector booth and follows Jesus. And what we see is through that process, Jesus calls a number of people. We see Peter, James, and John. We see Bartholomew. I don't know. There's all these different names that you really forget after Peter, James, and John. And you know there's 12, but who are they? (laughs) But we see that these people are called, and not only did they follow Jesus, they ate with Jesus, they heard Jesus, but they were sent by Jesus. So there's a point in Scripture where Jesus calls the the 12 to himself, he calls the other disciples as well, a number of, um, also 72 at another occasion, and he gives them authority and sends them out to say the kingdom of heaven is near. This is crazy because this is a bunch of misfits that really don't know what's going on, that are really unqualified, let's be real. Peter has anger issues. James and everyone else is like a teenager, and this is the people that Jesus calls? Wow, sounds like a great plan. Um, (laughs) And then he doesn't just like say, follow me, I'm going to be all it, you're just going to get it from me. No, he's like, I'm giving some of it to you and you're going to give it to other people. Do you know what's crazy about this? That discipling is part of discipleship, which means if we are not discipling someone else, we're not fully being discipled. We're not full disciples of Jesus Christ yet, because it is paramount within Scripture that the disciples of Jesus Christ were not inactive, that they were not sitting on anything, they were not sitting on the stream, but they were letting the, the flow of the Spirit flow through them. And more than just being like, yo, you're not being a disciple if you're not discipling, that's not what I mean. What I mean is there is more of the Spirit in store for your life when you activate a flow system. It's like plugging into a power system that then flows through you into other people. I like the idea of as, as long as we're here on this earth, not only do we have some, a hand on our life through someone above us, but we have our hands on other people's lives. And it is through the hand on someone else's life that we actually are so blessed. Have you ever noticed that um, if, you, if you study um, mental health, uh, re- uh, mental health rehabilitation, all this sort of thing, one of the key aspects of that is actually getting on board and serving other people. There is an action that physiologically happens that as you get outside of yourself, you actually find that Jesus is the answer. When we lock ourselves off, it's sort of like sitting in the stream, and not only is it going to stop the flow for someone else, but eventually the water is going to become stagnant, and the water is undrinkable to our own self. The water might be fresh flowing in, but at some point when the outlet stops, it stops for us as well. There is a blessing on the other side of you discipling someone else. There is a fullness of Christ found in your hand on someone else. And if you feel unqualified, join the club. (laughs) If you feel like you don't have all the answers, that's okay. Because they're not disciples of you. They're disciples of Jesus Christ. They're not disciples of Cameron. Thank God, we don't need more me's. (laughs) 
the disciples of Jesus Christ. We, what we understand is discipling is a part of our discipleship. If it was a bunch of me disciples, we'd all just be sitting in a room very quietly. <laughs> Researching things on our phone. <laughs> But discipling is a part of our discipleship. The other thing I identify from this scripture is discipleship is relationship, mostly. Discipleship is relationship, mostly. What we, what we understand discipleship, I think, to mean currently is information transfer. We mean the teaching. We mean a lecturer. We mean a class. And we sort of understand this, this if I share information with you, I'm discipling with you. But that's not what I see in the life of Jesus. Jesus literally ate, slept, and like taught and performed miracles around the same bunch of dudes for like three years. Well, like, man, that's next level. I don't want you over to my house all the time. And Jesus wants you living with him. Like, I love you, but I need my space. But he insteps Jesus and he redefines the discipleship model. He's discipleship being more than just an apprenticeship. We sort of understand that in our modern time. An apprenticeship, if you're going to become a carpenter, you spend time with a carpenter. If you want to become a plumber, you spend time with a plumber. But this is next level. You want to become like Jesus. Not only do you spend time with Jesus, you eat, sleep, um, hear the teaching, are sent by Jesus. It is fully relational. It is not a program discipleship. It cannot be uh, deferred to a program. You can't be like, man, I'm in a life group. That must mean, man, I'm getting discipled. You're only being discipled if you allow yourself to be discipled. You're only discipled if you choose to be discipled. And you can't say, well, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. You can't be pastored through a podcast because there's no relationship in a podcast. I say that, I love podcasts. As I said, I'm an information sponge. But I know that my past, like I'm not getting pastored through listening to a Jensen Franklin podcast. I'm not getting pastored if I'm listening to a Stephen Furtick podcast. I might be receiving information. I might hear the Spirit speak to me. But they are not my pastor. That is a preacher. See, Paul says you... You have many people that speak into you, but not many fathers. There is a difference that when you're a disciple, there's an accountability. There's a vulnerability. That it's not just about receiving information. It is about relational accountability and vulnerability that says, I'm following Jesus, you're following Jesus. I'm going to say that you can pull me up and you're going to say, I can pull you up. We're going to be able to pray together. When I don't have faith, you have faith. When you don't have faith, I have faith. So let's pray together, stand together, not as information hoarders, but as friends, as family. It means that discipleship is not a service on a Sunday. As much as you might think you know me and I might think I know you, I don't know. I'm not with you tomorrow on Monday at 9 a.m. But you might have a group of friends that you can text saying, hey, this just happened. My boss just walked in feeling a little low. You, You have people that can actually stand with you. And this is the point. We live in such, particularly post-COVID, in such an isolated, segregated society, it's difficult to reach out. 
but is calling forth saying discipleship is relationship, mostly. And this is where the mostly part, just because you're friends with someone doesn't mean you're discipling them. Just because you have a social group doesn't mean you're a disciple or just being discipled. There is an intentionality into the relationship. Discipleship is intentional and it is directional. So intentional being, this is a person that I feel I'm connected to, that I'm allowing to speak into my life, and these are people that I'm intentionally speaking into myself. And I'm taking them somewhere. Jesus didn't say, hey, Levi, come and follow me, and then just stand there. That's, re- that, that, that's just sitting. <laughs> that's just hanging out. There's actually a following. In uh, a number of years ago, I was on a train station, and uh, in another country where train stations are actually busy, we have like six people in our train stations. Uh, over there, it's like a thousand. And so I'm, just sitting, I'm in the midst of like a thousand people. They're coming and going. I'm a foreigner in this nation, but I look local because it's Denmark, and I look Danish, and I have a Danish last name. So it's very confusing for them. And in that I stand, and some people come up to me, and they say, do you speak English? Because the louder you say something, the more understandable it is. I say, yes, I do. Thanks, mate. And they are. Oh, he, looks, he looks Danish. He's an Aussie, because he said the word mate. <laughs> and they asked me for directions. Of course, I had no idea where they were going, so I whipped out the only thing I could. Google, and uh, try and direct them according to my Google Maps. Uh, but there is a, a directionality and intentionality that when people c- come to us, when we say, to, when Jesus says, come follow me, it's not just to say, hey, come and stay where you are. He's actually directing you on the path of being someone, becoming someone, and actually taking someone somewhere. So discipleship is um, is long-term, it's obedience, it's following, it's commitment, it's relationship. And I love this vision. It, as a disciple, and we're taking people somewhere, it's not to ourself. This vision of witnesses, a witness is a reflection, a deflection of, I'm not recreating the truth, I'm just retelling it. And so when we create disciples of Jesus Christ and not disciples of Cameron all sitting quietly in a room, uh, when we create disciples of Jesus Christ, we are redeflecting and retelling what Jesus has said. It is His truth. He is Savior. And he is, the, he is the one that brings transformation in people's life. There's a quote I want to read here. And it's by a, a gentleman named Eugene Peterson. You may know him as the author of the message translation of the Bible. He also wrote a number of other books, including a book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society. And in this quote, he says, I was neither capable nor competent to form Christ in another person, to shape a life of discipleship in man or woman or child. This is a supernatural work. Mine was a more modest work of Scripture and prayer, helping people listen to God, speak to them through Scriptures, and joining them in answering God as personally and honestly as we could in prayer. This turned out to be a slow work. From time to time, impatient with the slowness, I would try out ways of going about my work that promised quicker results. But after a while, it seemed to me just like meddling in people's lives rather than helping them attend to God. More often than not, I found myself getting in the way of what the Holy Spirit had been doing long before I arrived on the scene, so I would go back, 
feeling a little chastised to my proper work. Scripture and prayer, prayer and Scripture. We are witnesses. We are reflectors. We are deflectors always back to Jesus Christ. If someone is dependent on you, it means that when you leave, they will leave too. When you fall, they'll fall too. But if you redirect their attention and their hope and their salvation back to Jesus, He is the answer. He is the Savior. And all we can do is be a reflection. All we can do is be a a deflection of attention back to Him. And we're in relationship. Fantastic. But let let me redeflect you back to Jesus. Cam, how do I do this? Well, this is, let's talk about what Jesus said. Let, rather than just regurgitating wisdom from a book, let's talk about what Jesus said. Let's talk about Scripture. Let's pray together. I'm going to reflect you and deflect you back to Jesus. And so lastly, I, I want to talk about something really practical about what we can do, what we can do to develop our life of discipleship in terms of discipling other people. And there's a really simple strategy. Who are your three? Who are your three? In the, in the scriptures, it's evident that when Jesus called his disciples, that not everyone was treated with the same access to Jesus. So the 12 disciples had access to Jesus that everyone else didn't have access. He was able to teach them. He was able to explain to them the parables. And, but then there was the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that just had to seem, they had the, like the VIP access. They had the behind the scenes. They were accepted up to the Mount of Transfiguration. What a good time. Peter lost his mind. And uh, we see that there's a, a choosing of three, of 12, and then it goes beyond that with 4872. And it's a really simple strategy to ask yourself, you don't have to change the world, you just need to change three people's lives. You don't have to disciple everyone in this room, you don't have to change your entire workplace through your own, your own personal efforts, just choose three. Who are the three people God is putting on your heart this year? Who are the, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it is someone in this house, maybe it is someone that doesn't even come here, maybe it's a neighbor. But who are the three? Who are the three you are going to intentionally direct and deflect back to Jesus? Who are the people you're going to intentionally have relationship with? Not just accidentally catch up once a year at a barbecue at Easter, not just to see them once a year at Christmas, but who are they going to be the people that you say, hey, once a month, let's catch up. Let's go for a barbecue. Let's go for a run. Let's go. I need, a, I need to do a dump run this weekend. Why don't you give me a hand and I'll take you out for a, a, a coffee afterwards or something like that. What is the excuses, the intentional excuses you can create for a relationship with individuals? And there's only got to be three. If you've got more, go for more. Go for 10. Or you go for 11. <laughs> but there's an intentionality of your life and your life flow, uh, the life of God flowing through it. Because your life is not meant to be the end. It's meant to be the thoroughfare. And disciples discipling is God's delivery system of heaven on earth. Why don't you stand together? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. 
We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.